the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, June 7th, 2021, as we do typically. That's the way to say it. Typically on Mondays at this hour, we check in with our good friend, Brandon Weikert, publisher of The Weikert Report, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, foreign policy expert and uh, domestic policy aficionado. Brandon, uh, welcome back. How are you, sir? It's uh, great to be back on our usual spot. Nice, uh, nice to be back on a Monday night. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. So we were interrupted by Memorial Day and then something on my end. But glad to have you. Glad to have you, sir. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot I wanted to talk to you about and want to. There's, I don't even know where to begin. Let's um, let's start with the sexy stuff. <laughs> for 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 um, months now. Not only has the credibility of the um, coronavirus um, coming out of a lab gained more credibility, but the notion that there are UFOs seems to have gained more credibility. You've, yeah. you've written about what uh, the UFO probe may show us. Uh, talk to yeah. me about all this. Yeah, and I'm glad you, you framed it this way because, you know, the three – this is really the third time, I think – that the media is botching one of the most important right. stories. Right, right, you know, right. You know, the, the, the first in my mind would be WMD in Iraq. Okay. Uh, the second would be the Wuhan lab theory, which, of course, you know, I was at the, the front line of that yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and got gutted by people both on the left and the right behind the scenes, preventing me from coming out with what I had. Not by and me. And then also now, now this unidentified aerial phenomenon. So my take on this is everybody's jumping. And when the media starts jumping on a story almost in unison, I automatically begin to get suspicious. Right. That's just me after years of experience. So my personal opinion is, while the idea of extraterrestrials is very cool and very fun, and, and it is certainly anything's a possibility, uh, the probability, I think, is, is that this is something closer to home, and that what we are witnessing is one of two things. Uh, the, the preferable thing, that this is uh, the U.S. Navy's inertial mass reduction technology being tested, and because it's such a small program, very few people, even within the Pentagon bureaucracy, are aware of it. Um, the second, more frightening aspect, which I think very well could be the case, is that what we are witnessing uh, are advanced Chinese and or Russian drones being tested in our airspace. And uh, obviously that last one has a very frightening aspect, but if you look at the, the rate of, particularly China, uh, but Russia's doing it as well, the rate of high-tech development in specific high-technology strategic areas like hypersonic, like quantum uh, computing, like biotech, the aforementioned Wuhan lab, uh, if you get certain technology areas that China, also Russia, are investing their limited but great resources into, any of these areas could be used to create a sort of silver bullet, if you will, for the Chinese and or Russian militaries with which 
to launch a bolt-from-the-blue attack upon the United States. And I think what we're witnessing probably uh, is a very secret uh, enemy foreign uh, uh, program on display testing it very close to American waters uh, in restricted airspace. And we should be very worried about this. You know, you said something um, that you didn't mean to be funny, but it is an odd commentary. We're almost entering the point, we probably will enter a point very soon, like within the next four weeks, where the main story is UFO report, Department of Defense, no evidence of alien life. And everyone will go, all right, fine. When when what would be even really as shocking or more is everything you just said. Russia right. and China are flying and breaching right. into our space, and we right. can't stop it, nor do we know the technology. So and not to mention that little... hypersonic weapons, we have, we have, so we have officials right. here saying that China's way ahead of us on, on yeah. hypersonic weapons. Shouldn't we, be, shouldn't, shouldn't we be having our hair on fire over that right. in the absence right. of little green men? Right. So, Seth, the, the point of reference here is all last week, the reason you didn't hear from me, is I was flown out to Western Air Defense Sector and asked to basically meet with their intel team, meet with their their radar operators, and then give like a unified briefing on the, and this wasn't a topic of my choosing, this was their choice, a topic uh, basically um, uh, what do we do? Uh, Western Air Defense Sector is charged with protecting the country's western uh, uh, coast, from attack, what do we do at WAD if we are confronted with Chinese or Russian uh, exotic technology? Right. How do we respond? Right. And so that's sort of where the audience should know that I think is where the DOD is headed. Okay. And that should give you a clue as to probably what this phenomenon is. And like you said, the hair should be on fire. Okay, everyone should be demanding answers. This is this could be as big as 9-11. This could be as big as Pearl Harbor. And for all the people who are skeptical about this possibility, I would remind you, both Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan going into the Second World War technically were more technologically advanced than the Allies were. And the, the, the Japanese, to a lesser extent, but they pioneered the use of aircraft carriers with devastating results at the beginning of the war against us. Something similar could be happening with China and or Russia, where they have developed one or a few pieces of new technology that we haven't quite built out yet, and they're going to use it or lose it on us quickly. And that is the big story here. That's the lead that's being blown. Everybody's focusing on little green men. I really don't think that's what it is. I think we are in for it this decade. (laughs) Yeah, the little green men uh, theory, uh, it just seems to me that that's the kind of thing that there would be more prep for the American people on and we'd be more accustomed to or we'd know something about by now, or something more, I should say. But this yeah. one is the more plausible, obviously, and um, right. I, it, it's impossible to say whether it's more frightening or not, but it's damn concerning. The more plausible answer is damn concerning. Tell well, me what, i got to tell you, it's more frightening. Yeah, than, okay. If, if the alien aspect is to be believed, well, we've been documenting these weird occurrences for decades. They haven't really done anything right. to us. Right. But you can bet you if China and or Russia have this kind of technology, 
they're going to do something to us with it, and that's the concern. Uh, yeah, okay. I think that's a fair point. Tell me, <clears throat> tell me what hypersonic technology is. Well, basically, a hypersonic vehicle can travel at immense speeds, the faster than the speed of sound. The, the, the belief is that you, you can launch a hypersonic vehicle from, say, China and reach the heartland of the United States in under 30 minutes, faster than it takes for Domino's to get a piece of you. Uh, and uh, we have very few to no actual defense against it. Our aircraft won't be able to intercept it. Our current missile defense systems would be unlikely to be able to intercept it. It's basically a generation-skipping technology. It represents a quantum leap in offensive capabilities for whichever country comes to embrace it first. And China, uh, my my colleague at the Asia Times exclusively reported this last week, they now have the world's largest, most sophisticated hypersonic testing wind wind tunnel in the world. So we have it, the U.S. Navy has Lens 2, and it can test very small equipment at hypersonic speed for about 80 milliseconds. The JF-21 wind tunnel in Beijing can test very large hypersonic te- uh, pieces of equipment for 130 milliseconds. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot to you and I, but in the engineering world, that's a lot. And as the head of the Chinese program for this this program said to the press, they he said that this will, quote, ensure China's dominance in hypersonics for the next 50 years. And um, when Chinese scientists working for the government start speaking so openly to the public, it's one of two things either disinformation or the government is so confident in what they've got, they don't care if everybody knows about it. In fact, they want everyone to know about it. Well, a question that uh, you didn't pay me to ask you, but is then the only defense or the most rational defense against hypersonic uh, weaponry uh, space? I I assume that's right. Yes, space, I would say, and also developing our own hypersonic capabilities. And the problem is, is that, China is not only now have greater testing capabilities, but because of all the industrial capabilities we've handed over to them for the last 50 years since the industrialization began, uh, they now have the ability to produce hypersonic weapons like sausages, Mm. and we don't. Mm. We can't even produce enough submarines right now, Mm. which will be the tip of the Navy's spear if we have to go to war against China. It won't be aircraft carriers. It's going to be subs we're going to need, and we can't even produce 11 right now. And so imagine trying to do that with hypersonics, which are highly experimental, require a lot of R&D, and we've known about the technology for years, and we're just now starting to invest a little bit in building it out. And our testing facilities are old, and they're smaller and less advanced than the Chinese now. Hold hold that thought right there, buddy. Hold that thought right there, Brandon. i got to take a quick break. Let me pick up on it on the other side, and also want to talk a little bit about Russia and and, uh, your new column on Biden and Putin. He's Brandon Weikert. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He's the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, expert in everything that's uh, being talked about right now, including China and Russia, as well as things space, which uh, the Defense Department's going to give us a lot on, evidently, later uh, in the month. Uh, Brandon, you were you were talking about, before we hit the break, why, why you're as concerned about the alternatives, or in your, in, in your words, more so. Than, uh, than the notion that this is little green men and, 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 and the implications of how far behind we are. In other words, 
I don't think in Russia and China they have video of this. Only in America right. we have video of this because it's probably Russia and China. In other words, right. Russia and China don't have video of us doing this. Right. Right. Well, interestingly, and this gets back to the other possibility that it is, in fact, a, a U.S. Navy program. Interestingly, when asked, because apparently China has now using AI to track unknown events in the airspace over the South China Sea and near Taiwan, uh, when asked, the Chinese general in charge, he said, we know it's the Americans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my hope is that this is actually a program of ours. But, you know, the, the things that I'm seeing in terms of what China, what I know China's investing in and what I know their R&D is looking like uh, leads me to believe that at the very least they have this capability also. In fact, uh, talking about the inertial uh, uh, mass reduction drive that uh, the Navy was developing, they call it in the media UF, the UFO patent. Uh, when the Secretary of Navy was asked in 2019 about why he authorized those patents, he said it's because we, are, we know China's developed similar technology. Mm-hmm. So again, here again, we have the media not really believing this, and at the same time, the government saying China's ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it's frightening. It's, it's frightening. And Russia, by the way, also, we always forget about Russia, but Russia inherited the technology-based Soviet Union. They are the second most potent space power, technically. Uh, China's right behind them. And uh, we're the first, technically. Uh, and nuclear weapons power, technically, Russia's a bigger nuclear weapon state than China is. Um, and so, you know, Russia also has a history of engineering, and they're not to be discounted also. And they have invested very heavily, particularly in hypersonic technology. They have hypersonic vehicles in the works right now. They've tested hypersonic vehicles in the Arctic. Uh, so, you know, we're behind the times here, and, and in this particular technology. And hypersonic, I think, could be confused by the uninitiated, uh, you know, by an eyewitness, for instance, as being a UFO. And in fact, it's in a, it's in a hypersonic, uh, unmanned hypersonic vehicle that's being tested. And so... You know, we, we need to be much more concerned about that possibility than the little green men possibility, in my opinion. You know, we had, Brandon, uh, this in the 1950s. We had right. this sort of similar situation. I don't know that the stakes were all that high, but when was Sputnik? 57, 58, 57, I think. Sputnik was uh, 57. Yeah, so when Sputnik goes and launches in 57, it uh, rocks America. And it yeah. rocks America's scientific community, and people like Admiral Rickover said we have right. It, right. We have to do everything STEM. We have to catch up. Do we have a concern that we aren't there these days? If it turns out everyone says, and the consensus is, this is China, or this is Russia, or this is Russia and China, are we going to have a Sputnik Sputnik moment over that, or is the state? Yes, we've already had. We've already had several Sputnik okay. moments, and nobody cared. And nobody no one cared. cared. Yeah. I mean, the quantum, so the development of quantum internet, right? So, you know, we hear about quantum computing, uh, which could potentially replace all of the forms of computing that we know today, uh, you know, faster, quicker, better better storage, uh, truly like Star Trek-level computing. Uh, basically, it plays on quantum entanglement theory that a particle can exist in two places at once. It operates on qubits instead of the binary ones and zeros. And so it's truly next generation. Very rudimentary right now. Google technically has quantum supremacy. China's competing. 
But an American company, Google, has really mastered it. IBM is also mastering it. But because China invested so heavily in quantum computing, they were able to spin off and create the quantum Internet, which could potentially displace over time the World Wide Web, which, of course, is an American-dominated, American-created form of communication. Uh, The quantum Internet is exclusively Chinese. The Germans and the French have signed on to it. Uh, I'm sure the rest of the world will as readily as they did with 5G that was built by Huawei. So what we're looking at now is China, if they're not able to beat us in a specific thing like quantum computing, they're keeping up. And with their consistent investment of personnel and resources, they've been able to spin off and do quantum Internet. In 2016, China launched the Missius satellite, which is the first working prototype of quantum Internet. They've done several tests on it, proves that it works. You can send information, loads of it, instantaneously anywhere in the world. Uh, you know, Michio Kaku, uh, the same physicist, has said that if aliens, you know, are communicating, they're probably using quantum uh, communications. And so this is that next level stuff. China's mastered it. And when this was reported in the media in 2016, nobody cared. Nobody cared. It, it just was sort of like, yeah, okay. Well, it's still up there, and they're built out a network now from it. And as I said, the French and the Germans and the Brazilians and all these other countries that should know better than our American friends, they're working with China to build it out. And when you ask the Germans why they're doing this, because it's a potentially unhackable or nearly unhackable system, they say they don't like the fact that the Americans can use the NSA to tap into their, their government communications. And the Chinese system, quantum internet, if it ever works the way they want it to, would basically protect them, they think, from that kind of dependence and what they think is a victimization uh, by the U.S. And that's our friend, supposedly. And so this is the problem. We've had Sputnik moments over the last decade, notably from China, like the most recent story I talked about with the hypersonic lab. No one cares. It's not a big deal to people. And that's the problem. You know, um... In 1983, uh, the Department of Education, the U.S. Department of Education, put out a study called The Nation at Risk, and it was concerned about what they called our rising tide of mediocrity. But they do mention in that report, this was the report that was going to shake education, right? You've seen a million of these when it comes to military and other things. This was going to change everything in education. And it talked about how we squandered our – our Sputnik challenge, especially when it right. came to math and science, that was 83. Everyone in education still talks about it. We still seem to say things like math scores are important. We still compare ourselves to other countries when it comes to math and science. We do worse and worse every year, and as you say, we've had these moments and no one cares. It's a it's a worrisome thing, Brandon. i I got to take a quick break. i got a call or two for well, you, and i also got to pick up with you on your piece on Russia and the Biden administration. Yeah. So uh, don't go anywhere. Pour yourself a glass of water, put on your seatbelt, and we will be right back with more from Brandon Weicker. of the show brought to you by Solar Sandy. If you're thinking of saying goodbye to your utility bills and going solar, Solar Sandy's who you want to reach out to. Check out her uh, testimonials of other customers, previous customers at AskSolarSandy.com. They're amazing. Solar Sandy is amazing. I don't know very many people with as much energy as she has. In fact, I'll just say it. I don't know anyone who has as much energy as she has. And one of the things she is energized about 
is being able to truly zero out your power bill. She can do it. She has the formula. And if you sign up with her now, she'll even pay your power bills for one year and your solar panel payments for one year, and you'll receive a $1,000 bonus at signing. $1,000 signing bonus, no solar panel or power bills, solar panel payments or power bills for a year. Go to AskSolarSandy.com. That's 623-850-8229. 623-850-8229 or AskSolarSandy.com. You're going to like this girl, as I do. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, and the publisher of the Weikert Report, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T is how he spells his name. Brandon, okay to take a quick call before we move to Putin? Of course, we have a uh, Bob and pa- we have Bob and Payson who wanted to weigh in on the UFO thing before we moved on to Russia. Bob, go Thank ahead. You. You're on with Brandon Weikert. Gentlemen, so nice to talk to you. Guys are great thinkers. Oh, you're very kind. Uh, short, short story. Short. Uh, I was a military test pilot for years on some programs where we pulled the aircraft into hangars out in the middle of the desert when the Russian satellites went over. Okay. Uh huh. And I believe today we're lacking on several things, maybe our interception of our oil pipelines and chicken chicken ranchers in Australia due to computer interference. But I do believe we are still number one in military technology. And, Brandon, I wanted to ask you, sir, these uh, so-called UFO episodes have both occurred to my knowledge, they have both occurred in military warning areas yes. off the east and west coast. Yes. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes, so, absolutely. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is a cover for a cover, and I think we're into hypersonic weapons, and I think they're submarine launched. Great call, I, Bob. Thank you. I'll let Brandon yes, react, and so thank you for your service to our to- country. Yes, thank you, and that's an excellent point. So that is why I said at the beginning, it's one of three options. It's either us that nobody knows about, even within the Pentagon. It's either Russia or China, which is a possibility, or it's aliens. I think aliens is the least likely, and my hopeful one is that it is actually the Navy with their inertial mass reduction technology. I highly recommend your audience look that up, inertial, I-N-E-R-T-I-A-L, Inertial Mass, M-A-S-S, Reduction. You can Google it. You'll find a bevy of articles from The Drive, from Popular Mechanics, and even from the Weikert Report, in which we, we were all detailing what these patents were and how Nav Air, that's, naval, that's, a, that's, the, that's a group in the Navy that does a lot of experimental technology, uh, Nav Air emails were leaked online in 2019 detailing how uh, not only were these patents submitted to the PTO, but a working version is believed to have been constructed. And uh, so the hope is that, yes, it's us. The problem also, though, still, if it is us, A, can we keep it a secret? I don't know. China's in all of our systems. They hack everything. And B, the question is, can we mass produce enough of these in a short amount of time to be effective if, say, a rival nation like China or Russia uses exotic technology of their own. We, and and when, you, when you look at the patents that were submitted by the Navy uh, to the PTO, they make it clear that they, they were doing this because China was already developing this technology. 
So while I do agree we have certainly had a long history of being advanced in military technology, my concern is the way technology has propagated around the world and the way that China has thrown 30 years' worth of money and resources into building out their own high-tech R&D infrastructure, that China in particular is either caught up to us or now they are at the phase of leapfrogging us. Something I would look, ask the audience to look at is, in Africa, Africa today is different than it was 20 years ago. In Africa today, they've been using things like Apple Pay, you know, contact with... Can, can you hold that? Can you do Africa on the other yeah. side? And yeah. we'll, we'll go from yeah. Africa to Russia. Is that cool with, with you? Yeah. yeah. We'll be right back with more from Brandon Weikert, publisher of the Weikert Report. You want to be a year ahead of the news as he has been on all these things? Read the Weikert Report. It's free. W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. Brandon Weikert, the Weikert Report. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He's the publisher of the Weikert Report, author and foreign policy expert. Brandon, that, that's a great point you were on the way to making. I, w- I, I wish you would reprise it before we move over to sure. your column on Russia, and that sure. has to do with Africa and you know right. the way well, Africa has developed in a way that most people really right. just don't realize. And, and the point I was making was um, that the, the African countries have embraced things like contactless pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've really become a highly technological continent. Uh, in a way where they're basically a generation ahead of even us here in the United States in certain ways, on certain technologies, certain apps that they've become accustomed to, that we're only because of COVID in the last year starting to embrace. Mm. So that's a very kind of microcosmic example of how a country that we assume to be behind us developmentally can suddenly shock the world with, you know, a, a, a quantum leap in technological capabilities. So if, if, if Africa could do it, why is it so hard to think that a country like China, with the resources and the know-how that they have, wouldn't also be able to do something similar, only maybe instead of it with a cool new app that allows contactless pay, maybe something like Hypersonic or EM Drive or uh, quantum computing or biotech, something that could fundamentally change the world order and also fundamentally existentially threaten the United States, not just our position in the world as the dominant superpower, but also our physical existence as well. Incredible. <clears throat> Incredible. You have a piece up, uh, Biden blinked and Putin won. You start with John Kennedy and the story of the missile crisis and how right. he didn't blink first. Unfortunately, right. we probably wouldn't have gotten to that point if he hadn't blinked first with Khrushchev the year before. This is true. Right? This is true. Take, take right. it away. The, take it away. Well, I, I, was, you, you, I knew somebody was going to call me out on that. Yeah, so basically... No, the, I didn't call you out. I didn't, I didn't mean to call you out. No, 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 no. no. no, no, no. I'm but, just but, saying but, no, no, the, the, first A, then B, the, the right? Reason, the reason, <laughs> I, the reason I did the JFK thing is because Joe Biden fancies himself as Right, as right, 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 right. I, good, good, good. You know, well, so the issue here is JFK basically took us to the abyss, uh, you know, on, during those, what was it, 12 days of o- October 62, and basically he concocted this, you know, deal wherein he said to, the, to Khrushchev privately, okay, 
if you get your stuff out of Cuba, if you draw down from this in six months after, I guarantee we'll pull out our, uh, I believe they were Nike, no, I, uh, the Jupiter, Jupiter missiles right. uh, from Turkey. Right. And the reason, the reason the Soviets did what they did with Cuba was partly because they felt we had an offensive posture on their border with Turkey. And to be honest, the missiles we pulled out of Turkey, they were really only good for first strike. They didn't help with deterrence uh, or balance of power. So it really didn't hurt us what we did. Flash forward to 2021 with Joe Biden, and it turns out that to get Russia to back down from what they were going to do a couple months ago, invade Ukraine and take more of it away, he basically said, don't worry, Mr. Putin, not only am I going to agree to have a bilateral meeting with you in June in the first six months of my presidency, but I'm also going to let you have your Nord Stream 2 pipeline to Germany, which will be far more damaging to U.S. strategic interests in the medium and long term than anything that Trump is supposed to have done, you know, the pro-Russia president, supposedly. Well, in fact, Trump and Pompeo were insistent that we never allow that Nord Stream 2 pipeline to be built because what it would do is it would it would cleave the strongest, most important nation in Europe, Germany, away from the U.S. and bring it into a Russian-dominated uh-huh. zone uh-huh. by making it dependent on gas, right. the Russian natural gas. And what happened was Biden to get Putin to stand down on, on, on Ukraine. I don't care about Ukraine. No one should care about Ukraine. It's a mess. And so to get Biden to stand down on Ukraine, I mean, to get uh, Trump to stand, uh, sorry, Putin to stand down on Ukraine, Biden basically said, hey, Putin, you want to take over Europe by making them dependent on your natural gas? I'll let you do that. Just please don't make me look bad. And that is what happened. And now in June, this, this month, we have a meeting between Biden and Putin. And already you're seeing Putin, you know, you know threatening us. He said, expect aggressive actions from me in the run up to the meeting. And we just look like we're pathetic. And so here we are with Biden having basically prematurely surrendered to Putin after four years of Trump, who supposedly was pro-Putin, actually doing more harm and being tougher on Russia than any president in my lifetime since Reagan. And it's a very sad thing because this is going to get worse because once you give in to to Putin and Russia the way Biden did, he's going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And Biden will probably... Keep giving in until we lose all of Europe. <laughs> well, it's not just Europe. I mean, this is this is this is maybe Jimmy Carter all over again because it what, is. we're we're losing Central and South America too. Probably, um, yeah. I don't I don't think Kamala Harris's trip to Guatemala today was a stunning success. Uh, more like Nixon oh. to Venezuela in '56, quite frankly, or '58 <laughs> when he got pelted. Yes. You, you have yes. the president of Guatemala saying in front of her that the United States caused this crisis through its rhetoric. And she's saying she won't go to the southern border because she doesn't believe in grand gestures. God knows what going to Guatemala is, she said, to show the world it's our priority. Since when was Guatemala ever our priority? It's almost as anything but the southern border. Right. Well, and furthermore, let's just point out the grand gesture comment she made. Well, what was the reason why many people voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? It wasn't because they thought he'd be so much more competent. It's because he wasn't so mean on Twitter. That's why so many people voted for for Biden and Kamala. 
And so this idea that she doesn't do grand gestures, her entire vice presidential yeah. career yeah. is a grand yeah. gesture. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, That's a good point. You know, it's pretty stupid. But so the whole thing. Was, maybe was, maybe was, visiting was, your country or a state in your country <laughs> isn't a grand gesture either. Maybe going right. to Arizona, and, which was border state to where you used to live, maybe that's not right. such a grand gesture. And also, the reason she doesn't want to do that she, is because it would highlight the abject failure. Yeah, right. No, right. She's just she's still Cammy from the block. She can't forget the Southwest, <laughs> which brewed, brewed her. Right. Okay. That's right. That's right. And so the whole point is, we are losing Latin America, yep. China yep. specifically, yep. Oh. also Russia. Yep. Uh, in fact, China's on the verge of getting a base in uh, the Caribbean. Yep. Uh, China, China's trying currently to, to buy real estate on Africa's Atlantic coast. They already have one on, they have Djibouti, which is on the Indian Ocean coast. But now China's seriously trying to buy real estate on the African coast uh, to build a People's Liberation Army-Navy base so they can then project power across the Atlantic into Latin America and the Caribbean, which they have ramped up their investment. Uh, for the last five years in that area, because they want to be able, as they say, to do to America, the U.S., what they think the U.S. does to them with Taiwan. And that's where we're headed now. And we very, you know, my friend Gordon Chang wrote an article at Gateson Institute a couple weeks ago in which he said we could very well in the next decade or two be seeing Chinese air patrols penetrating New York airspace. And that's not hyperbole anymore. We are rapidly, because we have so badly for 30 years botched, with the exception of Trump, 30 years botched our relationship with south of the border, that now China and Russia, even Iran, are now becoming real partners to Latin America. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we know this uh, because we listen to you, Brandon, and if we're going to do something about it, we have to continue to listen to you. So I thank Thank you for these Mondays. They are tremendously helpful. Thank you, sir. They're good fun. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. God bless you, Brandon. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Until next week, I'm Seth Leibson. He's Brandon Weikert, The Weikert Report, and I'm available at 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson story. A little politics, a little funny. Cher, the musician, tweeted, sent out a super unfortunate tweet uh, this morning having to do with uh, Kristen Cinema, Arizona senator. She, uh, did you hear this, Bill? She uh, tweeted out, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Gillibrand aren't Democrats. They're traitors. If there is any way for New Yorkers to kick her out of the Senate, they must try before she hands our country to Trump and his criminals. These fake Democrats are single-handedly sabotaging President Biden's plans to help the American people. Problem. Wrong Kristen. Uh, Kristen Gillibrand is uh, Kristen, not Kirsten, and fully on board with the vote that Cher wants. So Cher had to do a little Emily Latella, you know, never mind. We should get that. Oh, that's different, isn't it? Never mind. On Puerto Rico wants to become a stake or violins on TV. Never mind. Um, someone was asking what it must have taken for Sonny Bono to put up with that kind of brilliance for so many years. And John Hinderocker writes this beautiful story. Sonny Bono was a rare talent in multiple fields. He succeeded at everything he ever tried and gave one of the most interesting and entertaining speeches I have ever heard at a Freedom Club dinner years ago. I still laugh. 
when I remember Sonny's account of how he decided to get off how he decided to get off the celebrity television circuit. The story involved a drunken dwarf with a loaded revolver on a cheesy fantasy island back lot with fake palm trees in Burbank. <laughs> it just sounds like a great story. I think it was when he first ran for Congress that he was asked his position on illegal immigration, and he said, my position? What do you mean, my position? It's illegal. More like that. Ben Weingarten from, what was that? You got it? We'll use it later. We'll use it when it becomes appropriate. Um, Ben Weingarten, senior editor at the, sorry, I I got... uh, Distracted. Ben Weingarten is a senior editor from The Federalist, is going to join us coming up next. We're going to talk about some of what Brandon left us with having to do with Chinese influence in America and how the Chinese coronavirus is our Tiananmen Square test. The great Ben Weingarten when we come right back.